Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. It is so good to be here today with you. Brand new series today. I get fired up and we got some new content. Okay, it's February. Guess what's in February? Valentine's Day. Okay, so we like to talk about romance. We like to talk about relationships around this time of the year to kind of help everybody out. And so the title of this series is called Ground Rules. You know, when I was growing up, I was blessed to have two older brothers that were right in front of me. I'm 42, my brother Jason's 43, my brother Jimmy's 44. My mother had three boys in diapers, okay? Can you imagine? You know, I mean, we broke everything in, my, in the house that belonged to my mom. Dishes, plates, vases, I mean, you name it, we broke it because of all the games we played. A lot of fun growing up with two older brothers that close. We also had a bunch of friends in the neighborhood that we lived. We would go out about every single day after homework or during the summer for sure. And we would play all kinds of games together. And we had tons of kids in middle school and high school our age. And uh, in particular, during football season, which we're about ready to watch the Super Bowl here today in a little while, um, we would play lots of football. And we'd have anywhere from 8 to 12 to 15, 14 uh, kids and uh, we would quickly divide up. We had a field out back that we could play in, and we would divide up teams. And then the first thing that the two captains would do is they would set the ground rules. We had to put, you know, a hat or a sweatshirt to create this end zone or another hat and a sweatshirt to create this end zone. Then we'd figure out where the, you know, the sidelines were, and then we'd figure out how many completions you needed to get a first down. Anybody with me? Ever do this? Okay, and ladies probably not. Maybe there's some tough ladies out there that played some tackle football, you know, with their friends growing up, uh, or two-hand touch or whatever. And then you'd have to create, you know, how many Miss- Mississippi before you rush the passer? One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three. Anybody remember that? It was different according to how many players you had on the other team. And so after we set all those ground rules, then we could actually have fun and play the game, you know. And, but even without adults, these 12-year-olds, 13, 14-year-olds, we understood one fundamental idea. If we're going to have fun, if we're going to be able to play this game, we need to know what the ground rules are. You know, I believe the same thing is true when it comes to relationships. I really do. What are the boundaries? What are the ground rules? What are the, what are the, where's the areas that we can't cross? Like, what are the rules here so that we can have this fun, healthy relationship? That's what this series is going to be all about. What are those ground rules that I believe that God would say are the ground rules to have healthy relationships? We're going to dive into that over the next three weeks. You excited about that? Yeah? All right. I'm glad. I'll be excited for you. I'm excited about it. Okay, who's this series for? This series is for anyone who is human because we are relational creatures, okay? This series is specifically for anybody who wants to date somebody, is dating somebody, is engaged to somebody, 
wants to be engaged to somebody, wants to get married, is married, been married, divorced, wants to get remarried. Again, this is for all human beings because human beings are relational. Now, if you're sitting there there today, you're watching online and you're like, well, I don't want to be in a romantic relationship. I'm just done. Well, you're still going to have relationships, okay? You're going to have roommates. You're going to have people in your life. You're going to have friends, even if it's platonic. And you never know. You never know. God might change your heart and then you might meet somebody. So don't tune me out if you're not into romance, okay? Because this is very applicable for you as well. Two big tensions that come up when it comes to romance. The first one is for the single folks. It's in your notes there. You ready for it? How in the world am I going to find the right person? Isn't that the big question? Where am I going to find them? Am I going to find them in church? Am I going to find her in church? That's a good place to look. Am I going to find them in college? Am I going to find them in a bar? Am I going to find them down by the river living in a van? I don't know. Where am I going to find? That's not the right person, by the way. Where? I don't know where that came from. Sorry. Uh, where am I going to find the right person? Do you know that this is such a big tension in our lives that there's an entire billion dollar, I did say billion, there's an, a billion dollar industry created around this one tension in this country. Today, dating services and dating apps collect $3 billion a year for people to pay for access to websites so they can look at pictures and bios and see if they could find the right person. Apps like Tinder and Match.com and OkCupid and Bumble and my favorite, my favorite, Plenty of Fish. <laughs> that's, a, that's an app. Now, I don't use it. I just like the name of it. <laughs> But it's a pretty good name. What about, this one tickles me. What about christianfarmers.com? Oh, don't you love it? <laughs> so specific. There's testimonials on there that say you can, if you're a Christian and you're a farmer, yeah, we've got one. We've got a match for you. It's amazing. And I'm not knocking any of those. I'm just telling you that, that, that people are making money off of you because we, we, we so desire to find the right person. So we're going to talk about how to resolve this issue of finding the right person. Now, if you're already married, we're going to talk about the tension that you often live with, which is this one right here. How do I fix it? More specifically, how do I fix him? <laughs> or more specifically, how do I fix her? Like she's the problem. He's the, he's the problem. Nick, we're in this group of people, those of us who are married, we're in this group of people where we look back at the first group of people who are trying to find the right person, and we laugh at them, right? Because we are on the other end of finding the right person, and we've discovered that the right person is messed up. The, like, we married the right person, and they're still screwed up. Like, they have lots of issues, and they fooled us. And now, now we're on the other end of marrying the right person, and we're thinking maybe we should find a different right person, right? And we're saying, how do I fix it? How do I fix him? How do I fix her before I just give up and go on another search? Well, I believe I'm going to share something with you today that is not popular, and you're not going to find it in a business plan around this idea. And you're not going to find it in books about dating. You're not, it's not a popular concept. But I believe what I'm going to share with you today in this ground rule number one will resolve both tensions 
of how do I find the right person if I'm single? And then if I'm married, how do I fix the situation that I'm currently in? Are you ready for it? Do you have your pen in your hand? Are you like sitting on the edge of your seat with bated breath like, give it to me, Pastor Danny? Are you? I see, I dream about stuff like this. <laughs> These moments in time like, give it to me. Okay, okay. You ready for it? Here we go. Ready? Ground rule number one. You have to be the right person. Again, this is not a popular idea. And you will not find this in dating books or, you know, business plans around this concept. But it is so true. Let me explain. Because some of you are like, what? That's going to help me find the right person? Be the right person? That's going to help solve my marriage problems? Like, problem's not me. Problem's him, dude. Let me explain. Right now, you are a kind of person. You have a soul. Upon death, our soul, or that intangible part of who we are, our mind, our spirit, our will, will leave our physical body. That's called death, okay? That soul, we haven't died yet, so it's inside of us. <laughs> that soul has a shape. It has a form. It has a kind. It, it's a type of person. What type of person are you? Are you kind? Are you gentle? Are you mean? Are you angry? Are you a racist? Are you not? I don't know. I don't know what kind. I'd have to become your friend to find out what kind of person you are. But the people closest to you know what kind or what type of person you are. Hang with me. Here's where I'm going. The type of person that you are, the kind of soul that has been formed inside of you up to this point in your life is of extreme importance. It is vitally important. How do I know that? Well, you just go apply for an apartment. Oh, I need an apartment. Let me, I'm going to go make, fill out an application. What's the first thing that that landlord's going to do? Can I see your references? I'm going to run a background check. I'm going to call your former landlord. Because I need to find out if you're the kind of person that pays the what? The rent. I need to find out how, if you treated the last apartment well. How, what kind of condition did you, did you punch holes in the wall? <laughs> did you leave the last place a mess? Because if you left the last place a mess, you're going to leave my place a mess. And if you were late on your rent, then you're going to be late on your... You see how important the, you know, it is, the kind of person that you are. You, you go fill out an application for a job. What do you have to do? you got to fill out your what? Your references. Because they're going to call your former boss. They're going to call your former employer. And they're going to say, what kind of employee, employee was she? What kind? What, did they have a positive attitude? Did they, did they cause problems? Or were they helpful? Like, were they effective? Were they lazy? Because they don't want to take a risk on somebody. On somebody that, that, that's, a, that's the wrong kind of person. We're going to watch the Super Bowl today. Most of us, many of us. You know what NFL teams do during the draft? When they got all these collegiate athletes coming up that are superstars and they want to draft them into their organizations and pay them millions of dollars. Did you know that NFL teams will go all the way back to these players, middle school coaches and teachers? And they'll ask these questions. What kind of kid was he in middle school? What kind of, we know he can perform on the football field, but we're about to put millions of dollars into this guy and we need to know what kind of person the shape of his soul is. Is he a liar? Does he work hard? Is he lazy? Before we draft this player, how important is it to be the right kind of person? Vital? Yeah? This is what Jesus taught. Watch this. Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. 
A tree is identified by its fruit. You want to know what kind of tree it is? Look at it. Look at its branches. Are there oranges on the tree? It's an orange tree. Are there bananas on the tree? It's a banana tree. Real deep stuff here. If the tree is good, if it's not infected with termites or a disease, guess what? The fruit on the branches will also be good. If the tree is bad, if it's infected, the fruit on the tree will be bad. And then he switches to you and he switches to me. Watch this. In the same way, a good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. In other words, a good person has lots of good fruit in their life because they have a good heart. It's not infected with selfishness or narcissism or greed or anger or lust. No, there's joy and there's peace and there's courage and there's love inside and so there's good fruit in their life. But an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. Hmm. Jesus emphasized character. He was most concerned about who you are on the inside. Why is that so important when it comes to finding the right person or fixing your marriage? Well, let's talk about the first one. You are a person. And the kind of person you are is the kind of person you're going to attract. Have you noticed this? We attract who we are. The kind of fruit on our tree will attract the people who are looking for that fruit. Whether good or whether bad. And for the first time, some of you are like, that's how I ended up with this man in my life. <laughs> it was the fruit in my life that attracted him to me. That's, that's how I ended up with this woman in my life. We attract who we are, which, is, which goes back to the importance of our character. It is so important because we draw the same kind of people into our life that we are ourselves. Andy Stanley tells a story. He's the pastor of North Point Community Church. He did a relationship series a couple years ago, and he tells a story about how a young woman came forward and told him, told him about her own experience. She was in her 20s, and one night she was at a party, and she met a, a, a man she thought it was the man of her dreams. And she's telling her mom this story, actually. And she says, mom comes home. Mom, you're not going to believe this. I met this incredible man. He's handsome. He's got a great job. And he's one of those Christians like you. Like he doesn't just say. He goes to church and he reads his Bible and his faith is really the central part of his life. And, and she's so excited to tell her mom about this man that she met. And she's going on and on. And her mom is just listening, ironing her shirt, you know, just listening. She said, her mom, put the iron down. And looked at her and said, honey, that's, that's exciting. I'm, I'm glad you met that man, but, but there's only one problem. A man like that is not looking for a girl like you. She said when her mom said that, it was like someone punched her in the stomach. She said she had to take a knee and she started to weep. Because she realized this truth. We attract who we are, and a man like that is not looking for a girl like her. I explained it this way in your notes if you're a note taker today. Here's the truth. You will only look for people who are at your level of personal growth and spiritual growth. If you've done the hard work 
to overcome selfishness or narcissism or ego problem or bitterness or envy or insecurity. If you've done the hard work to battle through addictions and you have victory in your life and it's taken you time to work on the tree and your heart's finally becoming good and there's good fruit in your life and then you suddenly meet somebody who's cute, they've got some money, maybe he's got a nice car, maybe she has a nice shape, whatever. And, 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 and then you're talking to them, they're like, man, I'm attracted to you, but, but man, you, you're still hung up on, like, you got grudges and bitterness and there's some, there's some deep selfishness inside of you. That person's not attractive to you because you've moved past that. In your notes, I wrote it like this. Your personal internal growth becomes your filter. Remember, I'm answering the question, how, how do I find the right person? Well, you have to become the right person because your personal growth becomes your filter. And now you're able to, regardless of somebody's physical attraction, you're able to say, no, I'm not, I'm not there. I was there 10 years ago, but if I get with you now, it's going to be sort of like running a rehab center. I'm going to be like dragging your butt all the way around, you know? And I'm not interested in running a rehab center. I want to date somebody and get married. Like, if I, if I start dating you, it's going to be like entering into the ministry of counseling. I'm going to be like counselor. And I can't counsel you. I need to be your girlfriend. I need to be your boyfriend. Never marry a fixer-upper, folks. That is wisdom. That is gold. Listen, do it with houses. Do it with, do it with other cars. Fix up things. Do not fix up a person, Okay? So when you do the hard work of the personal growth, you are looking for someone who's either at that, your level, a little bit ahead of you, or maybe just right under you. We attract who we are. Second, what, second thing I wrote is this. Number two, people at your level of growth will look for you. Because I know some people say, man, well, that means I'm going to be looking for a long time. There's not many people out there that take their faith as serious as I do or read the Bible like I do or put Christ first in their life. Like there's, like there's not that many girls out there like that. There's not that many girls, guys out there like that. Okay, fair, fine. But guess what? There are a few. And guess what? They're looking for you too. <laughs> You just have to be patient. Listen, it's better to be with no one than to be with the wrong one. Hello. Somebody please write that down. It is better to be with no one than it is to be with the wrong one. You just have to be patient. You just have to wait this thing out. Trust me, they're looking for you as much as you're looking for them. And they don't want to settle. They don't want to lower their standards. Ladies have, are notorious for doing this. Listen, that's not coming from me. That's coming from another lady because I'm not a lady. You know what I'm saying? I'm a dude. But ladies, ladies, coming from the late, you tend to you tend to lower your standards, and your thinking is this: Well, I'll just I'll just fix him. <laughs> I'll just I know he's not where he needs to be. I know he's not spiritually mature. I know he's not going to be the leader of the home. But you know, there's not much out there, and I'd rather be with someone than not with somebody. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's it's better to be alone than to be with the wrong person. Listen, this is how Jackie and I met. I, I'm not no joke. This is serious stuff. This is our story. Like when in high school as a bonehead, many of you know that, wasn't a Christ follower, okay? Got saved at 17 years old, still really much a bonehead not in, in, in learning how to treat women. And I was still attracting people who were, at, you know, had my value system and, and it was all surface level stuff and, and based on physical appearance. And so I knew in my heart, like I'm not ready to date. So my second year of college, I decided to do a dating fast. I'm like, I don't know how to do this. I need to make the tree good so that there's good fruit so that I can attract the right person. I don't know why that was intuitive to me. It just was. So for two years at Liberty University, I didn't go on one date. And there's beautiful girls 
everywhere. They were like, it was like three girls to every one guy. And, and they're all, you know, like there and they're loving Jesus. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Two years, two years. Finally, my junior year of college, I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I feel like I've got some good fruit. I know how to respect a woman and treat a woman rightly, uh, the, in the right way. And so I, I see Jackie. And, you know, I, begin, I notice her. She's, she's 5'11". She's gorgeous. And you're just like, wow. And so we start to hang out in a group of friends so I can kind of get to know her in a circle. And then I ask her out. And so she kind of hems and haws. And finally she gave in. Uh, she was on a dating fast too, but that's another story. <laughs> um, and she's, so on a, one of our first dates when we were alone, I took her to Frizzoli's. Man, I just wined and dined her. I was a college student. Come on. It was like seven bucks in my pocket. And so I'm driving her back to her dorm. And I just said, look, here's the deal with me. I've already been down lots of roads I shouldn't have been down. I've paid the price. I, I, I don't want to mess around with sex. I don't want to mess around with worldly stuff. I'm not interested in, 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 the, in the world systems. I'm, I'm now a Christ follower. Christ is the center of my life. I want to serve him. I love the Bible. I love church. I want to, I want to honor. If, I, if we have kids, I want to raise them in a godly home. And I want to, church is going to be a big part of our life. I just laid it out there for her because I didn't want to waste time. Right? I don't want to date somebody and they're not on the same level where I'm at, right? And so I just said, where are you? you know, here's where I'm at. Where are you at? And I was using my filter. And I, you know, I, was, I was hoping she would say, man, I'm right there with you. And, and so sure enough, she said, you know what? I've been down some paths and, and I, I, I believe what you're saying is true. And I want to honor Christ. That's so why I came to Liberty. I want to honor Christ with my life. And I was like, oh. that night, I, I wanted to ask her to marry me. <laughs> now, I didn't. I didn't. But man, I felt it in my heart. I was like, you're, you're like, we're here, we're here. And then, you know, we started to date. And sure enough, as we date, you know, it's one thing to say something. And then it's another, th another thing to live it. There's always evidence and there's always fruit. And so I saw that she really meant it and I meant it. And so I ended up asking her to marry me. What's interesting about that, and I have never shared this before, is that back in 1997, in the, in the leaflet of her Bible, this is before we even met, this is what she wrote. I think we have a picture of it. This is inside of her Bible. February 12, 1997. Didn't even know her. I believe God has called me to be a pastor's wife. Is that crazy? That's cr Listen, that's unbelievable. She was looking for me. I was looking for her. We didn't even know each other. Look, I didn't decide to become a pastor until I graduated from Liberty. I didn't even, she knew I was going to be a pastor before I knew I was going to be a pastor. This is crazy. Here's what I'm saying. You attract who you are. If you want to find the right person, work on your heart. And all the married people said, amen. A little louder, amen to the single people. Now let's talk to you married folk because we're all screwed up, okay? We're all messed up. We, we want to fix our spouse. They're the problem. I get emails all the time. Pastor Danny, my husband, blah, 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 blah. How do I fix them? My wife, blah, 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 blah. How do I fix her? It's, it's all, I get them all the time. Here's the hard truth that you need to hear today. You can't fix anybody, so chill out. Stop sending me emails about how to fix your spouse. You can email me, just not about that, okay? Because you cannot fix them, okay? But let me go back to the single people really quick, and we'll jump back to the married people. If you're, if you're dating and you realize there's all kinds of things in this girl's life, all kinds of things in this guy's life that are broken, listen, divorce them. Divorce them. The greatest, I heard this from a friend of mine years ago, the greatest divorce is the one that happens before the wedding, okay? Break it off. Do not move forward if, they're, if he or she is unwilling to resolve some of those issues on their own. Let's go back to the married folks. You can't fix 
anyone, but you can influence them. There's a big difference. You can influence them. Robert, Dr. Robert Mulholland Jr. wrote this statement, and I think it's, it's brilliant. Spiritual growth is the process of being conformed to the image of Jesus. And we talk about that a lot at this church. What does spiritual growth look like? Becoming like Jesus. But it's this last little phrase that, that he added that caught my attention. For the sake of others. Your spiritual growth, my spiritual growth, my conformity to Christ, putting on the character of Christ, your spiritual growth, it's not just for you. Do you get to experience joy and peace and contentment and satisfaction and fulfillment and freedom from sin? Yeah, absolutely. But there are beneficiaries of that. You know who the beneficiary is? The closest person to you. And for the married folks in this room today and for those watching everywhere else at our locations, that's your spouse. Your spiritual growth is for your spouse. It got me thinking about the fruit of the Spirit. I'm talking about fruit today, a lot of fruit, love, joy, peace, patience. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians 5. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love and joy and peace, patience and kindness and faith, goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. This is not an exhaustive list, but this is a pretty good list. These are attributes of Jesus' character. And when we stay connected to the Spirit and the Spirit of God is flowing in us and working in us and transforming us, we are able to demonstrate the same character of Jesus. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. What's interesting about this list is that almost all of these really only make sense in the context of a relationship. I mean, look with me at these. What, is, what does love really mean if there's no object to be loved? No person to be loved, Right? There's a per like love only makes sense when there's when when there's a relationship with another individual. I do what is best for them. You do what is best for them. You think about peace. I mean, you can have inner peace by yourself, but most of the time, peace makes sense. But in the context of a relationship, what about patience? That's the most important one. Maybe, maybe not. Patience. What patience? What does patience mean outside of the context of who are you going to be patient with? Right? Just this morning, you know, I tell my kids to put their shoes away, put their shoes away, put their shoes away a million times, put their shoes away. Right? And I go outside this morning in the garage, and there's shoes that are not on the sh on the rack. The rack is here, and the shoes are on the floor here. Help me! Help me! Do you, do you understand? Do you, do you empathize? So this morning, I lost my patience, and I grabbed all the shoes and threw them all the way across the garage, like I told my children that I would. And now, thankfully, I didn't do it in anger this time. I did it in love. Because <laughs> I want what's best for them, and what's best for them is to put their shoes on the rack. You see, I'm making progress here. Patience. What is kindness outside the context of her? Who are you going to be kind to? I mean, you could be kind to yourself, but look at this. Gentleness. What does gentleness mean outside of the context of a relationship, right? All of these character traits or attributes only really make the, the full sense in the context of a relationship or a marriage. Here's what I'm saying. If spiritual growth is not just for you, it's if it's for the other person, then the more I work on producing this kind of fruit in my life, guess who gets to eat it? Your wife, your husband, and yes, other people, if you happen to have other people living in your home, but first and foremost, your wife. Listen, the more we grow spiritually, the more we influence our spouse. What, what if Jesus were to come to your house 
and tap on your shoulder and say, take a break. I'll live with him for two months. What if he were to tap on your shoulder? Get out. I'll live with her for, do you think that if Jesus lived with your wife for two months, that he would influence her in a positive way? Yes or no? Do you think if Jesus were to walk in and live with your husband for two months, hey, it wouldn't even take that long. A month and demonstrate this kind of fruit to your husband? Do you think that it would influence him? Yes or no? See, we can't change people, but we can influence them. There's a passage in the book of 2 Peter, chapter 1. Peter says, hey, you wives, I want you to, this isn't very popular today, but I want you to submit yourselves to your husbands. I want you to come under their authority. I want you to, to, to listen to them and, and honor them. If you do this, ladies, watch this, then even if some refuse to believe the good news, even if they're not believers in Jesus, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. And some of you men are like, man, that'd be nice. <laughs> they talk a lot, don't they? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm for you guys. I'm for you. I feel you. I feel your pain. What, what is Peter saying here? Listen. Listen to the next phrase. They will be won over. Who? These husbands who don't even believe in Jesus. They will be won over. They will change. They will be influenced by observing your pure and reverent lives. Not by hearing you in their ear all day, but, but just by watching your reverent godly life, they will be won over. Listen, this isn't, even a this isn't even a message to the women today. This is a message to all of us who are married. Stop talking, husbands. Stop talking, wives. And just work on the tree and let the fruit come and your spouse will be won over. Can you say this with me? One over. Come on, all of our, all of our locations. Ready? One over. Not by our words. Not by anger. Not by threats. But by watching our godly reverence, watching the fruit blossom from the tree. And they'll be influenced. So how do we fix our marriages? We work on ourselves. We become the right person. Now the question is, how do I become the right person? Great. Okay, it's going to help me find the right person if I become the right person. It's going to help me fix my marriage problems if I, if I have marriage problems. But how do I do that? Well, Jesus did not leave us out in the cold. Listen to what he said in John 15. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit. I hear again, we're talking about fruit. If it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you, say it with me, remain in me. Then he continues in verse 5. Yes, I am the true vine or the trunk of the tree. And you are the branches. Those branches that, say it with me, remain. A little bit louder. Remain or stay connected or stay attached in me and I in them. Those branches will produce much fruit. But if you become detached, if you separate from the trunk... For apart from me, you can do nothing. There'll be no fruit. The only thing your spouse will get is the works of the flesh. Anger, jealousy, bitterness, resentment, lack of forgiveness, which is human. How do we fix our marriage problems? We remain. We stay connected to Jesus. And then what happens is the supernatural sap that's in the trunk will flow from the trunk into the branch, which is you and I, and the fruit will come. Whatever fruit is needed. And our job is to remain. The best advice that I've ever given myself when it comes to my marriage is very simple, and that's to remain in Jesus. 
If I have marriage problems, the answer every single time, no matter what it is, is to remain in Jesus. Because if I remain in Jesus, I'm going to find the patience that I need. If I remain in Jesus, I'm going to find the ability to be gentle. If I remain in Jesus, I'm going to find the ability to humble myself. If I remain in Jesus, I'm going to find the ability to love my wife. If I remain, it's all about remaining, staying attached. Well, how do you do that? How do you do that? Well, there's a hundred ways to do it. This actually is one of the hundred ways to, to, to stay, to, to be attached or to remain, to be in church and to hear the word of God. It helps us. But there's 99 others. You can remain in Jesus by going out and taking a walk in the, in the, in the, in the outside and saying, God, the heavens declare the glory of God, and I, I, I attach to you by being in nature. You can, you can practice silence and solitude and prayer and attach to Jesus that way. There are hundreds of things. You can listen to worship music as you work out, and as you're working out your body, your soul is, is remaining in Christ. Last week, I talked about meditation. Haga, were you there for that? That was a great word. It means to meditate. This is probably the most important one. Throughout the day, I will, I will just take verses in my head that I've meditated on and I'll just go over them and recite them right in the middle of the day. One of my favorite things to do is to take Psalm 23. No matter where I am, I can do it. I'll do it right now for you and I can meditate on it. This is what it says. But the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And I'll just say that. And as soon as I get my mind on Psalm 23, Connection, attachment, remaining, and the sap from the branch flows through into the vine, and the fruit that I need for that moment comes. Remain, remain, remain. Is this making sense? Attach. Years ago when I was dating Jackie, we made a commitment not to be intimate until our wedding night. And that's what the Bible says, and we said, look, we're going to follow. We're followers of Jesus. We're going we're to be, we're faithful. And so what that meant was is that she couldn't stay the night. I had my own apartment at, at Liberty, and, and there was really no supervision. It was just God and us. So if we were going to stay pure, it was just, no, there was no one there to check us. And so around 11 o'clock, 11.30, 12 o'clock at night, she would have to leave. Because if she didn't leave, it wouldn't, have gone, it wouldn't have been good. She could not stay the night. And every time she left, she, listen, she had a diamond ring. We were engaged it was like, come on, this is a slam dunk. I'm practically already married. Can't we just have sex? No. So she would leave and I would be, oh man, don't leave. But she did. And we were faithful until our wedding night. And on August 14th, 1999, we stayed. And we stayed a lot. And we still stay. And, and this isn't about sex or anything like that. But just the fact. <laughs> come on, come back with me. Come back with me. Just the fact that from that point on, August 14, 1999, she did not have to leave. We stayed. You know, what, you, know what, you know what it means to remain? It just means to be with. What if you could create rhythms in life? And this is really the goal. Of, of being a follower of Christ. What if you could create rhythms in life 
practices and habits that would allow you to stay in the presence of Jesus no matter where you are, no matter what group of friends you're with. If you're in a movie, if you're in a gym, a coffee shop, Kroger, shopping, at home by yourself, what if you could create rhythms where you're just with Jesus all the time, where you're remaining? I promise you the fruit will come and it'll bless your relationships You'll have the character traits and the attributes you need for that relationship, whatever they are, strength, fortitude, courage, forgiveness, love. And you will draw the type of person who's looking for that type of fruit in their life. I promise you, be the right person by remaining in Jesus. Now, there's some of you here today, you need to take that first initial step. Jesus would say to you, you're not yet in the kingdom. You're not yet one of my followers. And he would invite you in. He would say to you today, if he were here, look, I died on the cross to remove any barrier between you and I. Like, I want to live with you. I want to dwell with you. I want to empower you. I want to put my strength in you, my peace in you, my joy in you. Yes, I want to take you to heaven when you die, but I want you to live an abundant, powerful, beautiful, supernatural life right now. And some of you need to do that. And you haven't, and you've been waiting because you think it's about religion. This is not about religion. This is not about church. This is not a set of rules that you're going to... This is about you and God entering into fellowship. Would you come? Would you place your faith in Christ? Would you trust him to forgive your sins? If that's where you're at right now, I'm going to say a simple prayer. And I encourage you, if you haven't done this, to take this step right now. This is your moment in time. It's created for you. Move and step and reach in faith and trust Christ today. Will you pray with me if you feel led to? Just say this to him. It's not about the words. It's about the faith behind the words. Dear Jesus, I reach out to you with what little faith I have. And I trust you. I believe in my heart that you died for my sin to wash away the guilt and the shame and the penalty. Wash me today. Cleanse my soul. Fill me with your spirit. And from this day forward, me to remain in you, to stay attached, connected, so that my tree, my life, my soul will bear good fruit. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. God is at work. Come on, give him glory. Amen. He is moving in powerful ways. Hey, if you trusted Christ, if you just prayed that prayer, we, wanna, we would love to hear from you. If you just grab your phone really quick and text the word SAVED to 65248. Here's why. We want to come behind you as your church and show you what the next steps are, whether that's getting in a group or any, getting baptized. So text the word SAVED. We also would like to put a gift in your hands. This is what it looks like. It's a little box from us to you. Inside is a Bible, a cup, a nice coffee cup from us, and also a reading plan with, uh, with some help and on your next step and your journey with Christ. So Pick these up, whatever location you're at, they're in the back of the auditorium right there. One more time, church, can we give God glory, amen?
Hey, before you leave.